All right, well, uh, take your Bibles tonight and let's go uh, to a couple of places. We're going to go to Genesis chapter number one um, in, to start off here in Genesis chapter number one. And then uh, if you would find your place in Psalm 100. Okay, so Genesis chapter number one and then Psalm 100. Um, we've been doing some work here for the sake of our guests. We've been doing some work on our theme on Wednesday nights in particular. We're kind of in between series and in fact, even the series we're uh, likely to go into would be related to our theme. And, um, but in the meantime, doing some uh, preaching on the theme about love God's way. Love God's way. And so last time we were in 1 Peter and how that we are to have fervent love among ourselves. And so we, uh, we were right in the midst of Bible school. It was just a good time. I think it worked out just right. Where we were, we were needing help on showing love God's way, Right. And we always do, by the way. So uh, now we're in, we're going to look at Genesis. And um, I'd mentioned to you a little bit ago just how that we're going to try to make application to the message tonight. We'll get into it as, as we go along here. But let's look at some very foundational, very important verses. Um, I, I would like to say some very familiar verses, but many are not familiar with them and they need to be in Genesis chapter number one. And so let's look at it in verse number 26 and then we'll go to Psalm 100. <clears throat> so Genesis one and verse number 26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness <clears throat> and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Very plain, very simple. Uh, while we're still there or in that vicinity, look at chapter 2. And verse seven, I might remind you that the first readers of the book of Genesis would have been the children of Israel as they were coming out of Egyptian bondage and they'd been exposed to the faulty thinking of the Egyptians and their views on creation, their views on man, their views on marriage, their views on parenting, and it was just skewed. So they had that, but then think about where they were going. They were going into the land of Canaan. And all you got to do is just read Leviticus 18 and other passages like that. And you'll see that it was like they were going from, from trouble to more trouble, right? I mean, just in terms of their, the thinking of the people of Canaan. And so God right here in the book of Genesis is orienting them as to who he is, who they are, and what marriage is and what family is. I mean, it really is that foundational, right? So that, that helped me when I understood that background to the book of Genesis. Okay, so now chapter 2 and verse 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. Verse 18, same chapter, verse 18. And the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. It's not good. Well, there's, that's, that's evident in many ways, right? All you got to do, just if you don't believe that, go to the junior camp next week and see the guy's dorm. All right, it's not good that they should be alone, alone very long at all, right? It's not good. That's not what God's saying here, but he's, it does apply. <laughs> Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be 
alone. So in the context, though, I might remind you that everything at, at this point has been, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. And then this is the first time he says not good. And the reason being that everything else, everything previous to this was able to reproduce after its own kind. Man alone could not reproduce. So that's where you get the not good. Also companionship. I mean, it all just goes together, you see? All right. So I love this part of the verse. God says, I will make an help meet for him. And the word meet there just means this, suitable, just right. I'll make a help just right for him. Okay, now let's go to Psalm 100. Psalm 100. We're not going to give our normal effort and work to really do exposition on any of these verses. But I want to draw your attention to verse number three, where he says this, Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It's really the right place to start with all of life. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. And then this really grabbed my attention. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. It is he that hath made us, not we and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Now, uh, for the sake of time, we're not going to read other verses that we're probably going to turn to. So keep your Bibles handy. It'll be a little bit of a different approach than we normally take where we just stay in one text and, and really uh, work on it. But um, uh, we're going to look and see in 1 Corinthians. may not have you turn there, so I'm going to just reference it, and then I'll mention the title, and then we'll, we'll get into it tonight. But Paul there was writing, and he said, um, Know ye not that, that the wicked, that the evil men will not inherit the kingdom of God? And, and then he, he lists several, and among those... And he says, uh, in fact, he's going to say such were some of you. And it was uh, the drunkards and the thieves and, and liars. He also mentions effeminate and abusers of themselves among mankind. And that, that's a direct reference to how that some of them in Corinth had been practicing sodomy or homosexuality. But I love what the Word of God says. Such were, that's past tense. That means they were that but God saved them. Such were some of you. All right, so I realize we've considered three different passages already, and I want to show how they're interrelated and how they're tied together. As we consider this subject here tonight, this, uh, this title, Applying Transformational Love to the Transgender Issue. Okay, Applying Transformational Love, Transformational Love to the Transgender Issue. My hope and prayer is that it would, well, help all of us. Um, it's certainly where we live. And we want to be equipped to show God's love to people that are struggling with same-sex attraction, that are struggling maybe with thoughts of transgenderism. Um, and I, I believe the Word of God will help us, the Spirit of God will help us to be equipped like we need to be, to show the love of Christ to those that He can redeem and came to redeem. And so I'd like to pray one more time, then we'll get into it. And, and um, I trust it'll be a great help. So Father, I'd like to pray just one more time that you'd help 
um, sure want this. I know there's, there's a lot that could be said. I just want to say what would be right and would help be helpful and that even the way it's said, as well as, the, of course, the content, that it might be beneficial. I do pray, um, especially for young people, even living right here in Oklahoma City, not just young, I realized, but others, but certainly uh, there's a concerted effort. And so, God, I just pray for them. And I pray for our country, God. It's evident we need revival and we need to know that you're God. And so, God, I pray that you'd help in this message. We'll ask you to help others that may even be struggling, God. Would you please... In, intervene in their life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> I, uh, I don't mind to tell you, I, I preached, uh, preached this message. I'm, I've adapted it, you know, and, and, and by the way, a preacher never preaches the same message twice. Exactly. <laughs> twice. <laughs> Uh, it's always a different, you know, situation. Um, but I, I uh, did a couple um, chapels last semester and called it Issues of the Day. We did one, one chapel on why we use the King James Bible. And, and so enjoyed doing that. And, and uh, then, then we did one in the spring out of, out of these texts and a few others about, about this, this title, Applying Transformational Love to the transgender issue and just anticipating that those that are going to be going to the ministry, they're going to be faced with it. It's, it's not like it's coming. It's here. We're, we're dealing with it in, in, in major ways and we're dealing with it um, currently, even as a church family and, and, uh, and both by way of those that have grown up here as well as by those that uh, maybe we're brought here or come here or ride the bus here. I mean, it's just going to be an ongoing, an ongoing matter. Uh, in visiting today, we had lunch uh, today with the Christensen, really enjoyed our time. And, and of course, they're living in California. I mean, it's, it's certainly something they're facing every single day and on the, on the uh, East Coast as well. I mean, we're, but it's not like we're immune to it here in Oklahoma. Not at all. Now, I will say this, some of the ads that we've seen, you know, run on, on commercials, uh, probably... Other parts of the country aren't seeing those kind of ads. I'm, I'm going to say, you know, for a man to stand there and say, this is my daughter, she's a girl, and for him to say, this is my son and he's a boy, you're probably not going to see those ads in New York City. Yeah. So I realize uh, Oklahoma uh, is still conservative in many of its values and so forth, but we would be pretty naive to think that it's not infecting or affecting lives right here. I mean, it just, it's just not the case. In fact, I begin tonight with uh, the story of a young lady named Lori, Laura Perry uh, that lived in Tulsa. I read this uh, story in April, uh, April's edition of World Magazine. And so I'd like to kind of use it tonight to go into our consideration. I trust it would be a real encouragement to you, actually, and, and a real help uh, as, we, as we get into it. Laura sat down in a booth with her parents at a cafeteria in Tulsa. She hadn't seen them for about nine months. 
Paul and Francine awkwardly uh, sat and spoke with their daughter. who was um, wearing men's clothing, had a buzzed haircut and a sprouting beard. Her mom leaned across the table and said, Laura, are you trying to look like a man? And her mom, of course, burst into tears. tears. Her dad uh, left the table. To everyone else in her life at this point, Laura was known as Jake. Convinced that she was born in the wrong body, she had been injecting testosterone into her thigh muscle every two weeks for months. Her goal was to erase Laura to become Jake, a person that she had created. She underwent surgeries and would have proceeded, but it became very costly. Every time as she passed as Jake, it gave her a little bit of a euphoric high because she accomplished her goal of, of making someone, someone think that she was indeed a young man. That faded, though, very quickly into depressive cycles. What seemed to promise freedom became a prison cell. She said, I was haunted by the fact that I wasn't real a slave to her own created identity. Laura was uh, born um, after two late-term miscarriages that her mom had. Both of those were male. They were boys. Her mom found out that she was expecting with Laura uh, actually when she was at an appointment and didn't expect that she was expecting, but she was. And so growing up, Laura really had a strained relationship with her mom. In particular, at age eight, she was molested by her best friend's brother. She started dressing in her brother's hand-me-downs and envisioned herself as a male character in video games and wrote stories in which she was a male. She experienced hurt and rejected, rejection in her teen years. And in, that carried on into her 20s, her early 20s. She became addicted to pornography. She dabbled into satanic ritual. She gave herself to inappropriate sexual relationships. During this time, the thought that she uh, was a boy or wanted to be a boy never left her. She Googled and learned about transgenderism in her early 20s while online and met with the therapist and began taking the hormones to make that actual. Laura's mom, Francine, uh, began to pray earnestly for their daughter. Uh, they, by their own testimony, were at that time nominal Christians. They weren't really plugged in to church. They were going to a Baptist church, I believe a Southern Baptist church up in Bartlesville. And, and so, but when they found out that, you can imagine, they just really found themselves in a dark pit just in... Depressive thinking as parents because of the way that you raise your, your kids and, and then they go a different direction. Over time, her mom uh, said that she had to surrender this to God because, uh, because she just couldn't handle it. And so as she surrendered it to God, listen to this, she said, I began to find peace. 
an unexplainable peace. She started a ladies' Bible study group and they began to pray and they earnestly prayed for Laura out of concern for her. And, and in 2014, uh, Francine, Laura's mom, um, asked Laura, who was into graphic design and, and uh, web design, to, to take their Bible studies and to create a website for them purposefully. So Laura began to read some of the Bible verses that her mom was using in her Bible study. And she began to ask questions. And her mom would answer those questions and then hush. And say no more, but just answer those questions. Here's what I see that Laura's mom was endeavoring to do. And, and I'm sure she would say, though not perfectly, she was endeavoring to apply transformational love to her, her daughter named Laura. How do you apply transformational love to those that are at whatever stage it's in, that they may be struggling in some way, either with curiosity or, or experimentation, right? all out identification, or even activism. How, how do you deal with them? How do we as a church, that's what we're asking here tonight, how do you as a, as a family member, I would imagine if I asked tonight, how many of you know someone that, that, that is struggling in, in this particular sin? I'm sure that probably everybody here, either through work or through family or through church life, uh, you would know someone, no doubt, that is struggling there. How can, how can we apply transformational love that God might use that to redeem them from that, from that way of life that is so destructive to them, just like, by the way, alcohol is and heroin usage is and fornication between a, a man and a woman is or adultery is. I mean, really, the situation is, is not so much even the particular sin itself as it is the sin nature itself that really needs to be dealt with. I remember it was uh, the summer of 2017 and we were in the gym. Actually, if you remember that, we were in the renovation here of the auditorium. I'm, well, I'm sure if you were here, you remember that. But uh, we were in the, in the gym and, and I was, uh, we were going through Deuteronomy. You know, here's what I found about expository preaching. Some things you never think you'd ever preach on, you have to preach on if you're going to be true to the Bible. So just preaching through Deuteronomy, you know, brought us to Deuteronomy chapter 22 and verse number six about that a man should not wear that that pertaineth to a woman, nor shall a woman wear that which pertaineth to a man. We preached on that. The same weekend, I don't know if you remember this, but it was, it, it was uh, Spencer and Daisy's uh, wedding, uh, the stalker's wedding. And, and so I was uh, a part of that. And, and uh, I just, I never forget uh, Miss Stalker's uh, grandson, Ace. Ace, okay, got it right that time. Ace uh, was, you know, the ring bearer. And, and then, um, let's see, was it Macy? Yeah, Macy was a little girl that was the flower girl. So Macy came down the aisle and she was just meticulously dropping the flowers just like she'd been told to, but probably like she'd been longing to as a little girl ever since she was, knew what flowers were, you know, and the flower girl was. I mean, that's just something that they, I would imagine, enjoy doing. Well, Ace, on his way down, was picking up the flowers and giving them a good toss. <laughs> I mean, to tell you, just right there, you can see the difference between boys and girls. And there is a distinct difference. Between the two. Well, 
that same uh, time, I noticed on the license, the marriage license, something that I had not noticed before. Whenever I've done a wedding, it's the responsibility of the, the pastor, you know, to make sure that, that it's all filled out. And so previous to that particular time, I had noticed, you know, it was always male signed here, female signed here. But now, even the Oklahoma license reads this way, first person here, second person here. Now that's a subtle change. And somebody might say, well, that's not a big deal. It is a big deal. These, these subtle changes reflect something. One man uh, named Charles Winnick, I don't, I don't know anything about him other than he wrote a book called The Desexualization in American Life, said this, as masculinity and femininity show less polarization, as they, as they get uh, closer and, and really blurred, as they get blurred and fewer differences, extremes of other kinds are becoming blurred into neuter. He said this, this modification of the American way of life could be the most significant change of our time and be intimately related to our society's ability to survive. I, I, would, I would tend to agree with that to you, that it would be the most significant change of our time and may very well be tied. If you study world history, if you study the history of Rome, if you study the history of Greece, if you study the history of Europe, if you study history, then you'll see that, and, and I mean, you, well, you don't even have to study history if you don't like history. Read the Bible. Read Romans chapter 1 and how that they deteriorated and, and how society lost its way when, when they didn't recognize who God was, neither were they thankful, and, and how that women were with women and men were with men. I mean, you cannot make a case anywhere in this Bible that homosexuality or transgenderism or anything in that category is okayed by God. There's no, there's no wiggle room in Scripture for it. Not, not if you're going to be true to biblical interpretation. There's just no way that you can make a case for it. It's affecting every area of life from, from, the, uh, from the office uh, to the military, to the state senate, to the flower shops, to bakeries, to wedding photographers, to the Supreme Court, to public schools, to warehouses, to libraries, to sports events, to uh, the events of, of the Olympics, even with Leah Thomas and all that went on with that. I mean, all that's going on, it's affecting ministries, it's affecting churches. I just got an email uh, from our, the missionary that we support, Mike Carney. He's in uh, Hungary. He's hoping to take a furlough. He's asking for any, anybody maybe to come over and, and to help. And, and here's one of the things he said about Hungary. Hungary has voted that, that um, they're going to keep the LGBTQ plus out of, out of the school systems. They say this, that, that uh, education of, of children about, about the matters of sexuality are the responsibility of the parents, not of the schools. The Prime Minister of Hungary uh, in a UE meeting in Brussels said this, um, Hungary stands firm. Your father is a man and your mother is a, is a woman. Some of you are thinking, I'm moving to Hungary. <laughs> it's affecting everything. I mean, it's, it's hitting so many areas of life. Riley Barrett did his uh, thesis on it. How are, how are we going to be ready for this? Uh, Riley, our missionary, you know, that we support that's in England now, uh, he did his grad school thesis on, are independent fundamental Baptist churches ready to 
to love and to guide those that are struggling in, in this very area? Are, are we ready and equipped and prepared? Because we've got to be ready. And, and this is a little bit dated, but in fact, uh, Brother Yeager gave me a American Family Association newsletter from 1993, and my mind was blown with, with what was going on on Seinfeld and, and other things way, way back there in 1993 even, and American Family Association was calling it out in terms of, uh, of what was going on on NBC and ABC and CBS, and, and I'm in t- talking about on those sitcoms at that juncture that had homosexuality and, and innuendos in it. I mean, it was just laced even then. Well, my soul, think about where it is now. And Brother Riley was noting uh, sitcoms, and, and this is a little bit dated, but such as Ugly Betty and Modern Family and Orange is the New Black and New Normal and House of Cards and Mr. Robot and Transparent and others that were nominated, have been nominated as top shows. And even of just recent, Disney's Pixar's Lightyear has a support character in it, a female who says that she's in, just got engaged to marry her girlfriend and they kissed on the animated show of Lightyear. I guess I don't have to go on to convince you that our society is inundated with this. Brother Wayne Hardy and I had a, had a day of fellowship and kind of planning and just... Uh, Felt basically that yesterday. You'll be glad to know we rode the train down to, down to Fort Worth and we made it back without any assistance from any crazy drivers. We just didn't lose, leave the train station very far. Okay, it's another story. I don't have time for it tonight. It's a good one. And it's still all of his fault. But now, yeah, it's just kidding. We had a little bit of time and so we went to the Fort Worth library and in the children's section, here's, here's what you see in the children's section. Big rainbow is the entryway. All kinds of books on transgenderism and, and kids standing there in, in um, capes as though if you're brave enough to want to be different than what God made you to be, you're like a superhero. Young people, am I, am I telling the truth about this or is this, is this out there that you're seeing? And in college age, I mean, is this, is this accurate? And where, where you live, where you work, or this is going on, isn't it? I listened um, to a seminar on it, and, and the individual was talking about how that in, in Genesis, in Genesis chapter 3, in, in the, um, the fall the fall of man into sin affected us in our gender. It applied to gender. You think about it, what God said to, to the woman was in the realm of her gender, pain in childbirth and, and, and also the desire to be the ruler of the home because of sin's entrance. And the man, the thorns and thistles in which he would experience the difficulty in raising a family and earning a living and all those things. And, and yet, how the, hang on, how the, God said, Listen, now it's going to be with difficulty, but my plan hasn't changed for you. But now it's going to be with difficulty. But, but the point being is that when the fall happened, the fault line, the fault line of, of all that was felt first in the home and in the realm of gender. 
And then chapter 4, you have Tubal, Cain, and others that, that had technology. And so what happened is the acceleration of sin's effect on mankind by the advent of technology. Well, well, how is it then that we've gone from a nation where we were, say, back in the 1950s or so, to where we are now? Well, it's, we're feeling it in the fault line, and it's been accelerated by technology by virtue of science that is enabling those that would want to chemically or surgically to make the change of gender and so forth. That's going on. But then also in the hands of every young person in America is a phone in which they are being inundated through social media and through other outlets and other means. In fact, I believe that, that most young people living right here in this area are being more influenced by what they're seeing on their phone. And listen, don't be naive to think that they're not being introduced to homosexuality and bisexuality and all that's out there. Don't think that that's not coming through their Instagram and their Snapchat and their TikTok and all their other forms of media. No, they're being inundated with it because it's, it is the agenda of some very wicked individuals. And all you got to do is just look in to see what's really behind some of the laws that are coming out in our land. And here's what you'll find. You'll even have, find pedophiles that are driving a lot of this agenda. And it's a scary thing. And yet people are seeing it as entertainment. Listen, friend, it's not entertainment. And more young people are being influenced by what they hold in their hand in the form of their, of their phone than they are in an hour of Sunday school. God cares about gender and God cares about gender roles. He cares about people. And, and listen, here's, here's where I want you to think about this. If this is a part of the fallen condition of man, and it is, that if this is a part of the fallen condition of man, then there's also a solution that God has in his word. How can we show transformational love to those that are struggling their sexual identity. It's not my intent tonight to go into all the ins and outs of it. It's not my intent to define all the terms. It's, we've got some resources available. If, if anybody's interested in that, I've got some good references in terms of books and things that I've been reading and, and will continue to read. I mean, there's a lot of good re resources out there that can help, help to fortify. And it's not even my intent to try to prove the wrongness of this. And my intent tonight is this, to equip us to have the kind of love God's way that would help someone that needs to be redeemed. But we must first, number one, we must first recognize it as a deviation from God's order. The world is trying to normalize it. They're trying to make it look like it's normal human activity, like it's okay. But we must first of all recognize that, that in no wise is, is this anything other than a deviation from what God planned. And so you can't live your truth and you can't say that love is love and you get to choose your love. No, we've got to go by what God said. No, we've got to start right here. How about this? Know ye that the Lord, he is God. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. And thus we cannot endorse it we cannot endorse same-sex marriage in any wise. We, can't in, we cannot endorse it and we cannot celebrate it. Amen. 
God addressed transgender desires. In fact, I mean, it's so clear that, that he said a man ought not dress like a woman and a woman ought not dress like a man. So certainly if God says he shouldn't dress that way, then certainly he would not endorse surgeries or chemicals being used in the body that would transform. That's very clear. In fact, what you see in Deuteronomy 22 is simply this, that everyone needed to let their gender expression align with their biological sex. Basically, it's this, make sure in everything you do, in everything you do, in every decision that you make, make sure that it reflects what biological sex that you are in everything that you do. Everyone needed to guard against gender confusion. This is certainly amplified in the New Testament. By the way, the Roman and Greek culture was inundated with homosexuality and pedophilia. Jesus affirmed the fact of only two genders, male and female. Paul affirmed only male and female. You read the passages on marriage and it's only about the husband and a wife. Titus chapter two, it's young men, older men rather, teaching young men how to be, how to be men. Older ladies teaching younger ladies. I mean, gender is, is recognized by God and we should not be surprised since God is the author of this that Satan would attack. And if man is created in his image, male and female created he them in his image, then this really is an attack on God's very personhood. According to 1 Corinthians, uh, God saved men and women out of homosexual sin. So if he saved them out of that, then it stands to reason that he's not okay with that. If he saved them out of that, nor did he make them that way. And thus they were not born homosexual. Once they trusted Christ, God made them who he desired for them to be. Laura found hope in Christ. Her mom uh, kept praying for her, kept witnessing for her, witnessing to her. And one night, she understood that she was a sinner. She understood that Jesus died for her sin. She understood that he was buried and rose again and he'd save anybody who would call on him by faith. And she humbled her heart and called on Jesus to be her savior. But the battle wasn't done right there. She still had to apply what it meant to be in Christ. And at first she was so confused by her choices in life that she said, I'm going to be the best man of God that I can be then. But then as she got into the Bible and she began to study, she asked herself this question and it kept coming to her over and over. When I stand before God someday, what name will he call me? Laura or Jake? And she realized this. She realized that God created Laura and she had created Jake and that she needed to go back to who God had made her to be. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, not we ourselves. If she lived as Laura, she would glorify God. If she lived as Jake, she would glorify herself. And I'm glad to tell you tonight 
that she went back to being Laura. And she got the love of her parents and the support of the ladies there in that church. They supported her with cards. They supported her with money for new clothes. They welcomed her into that Baptist church there in Bartlesville and they developed friendships with her. And on May the 14th of this year, I just looked at her wedding pictures. She married a young man and um, they had a beautiful wedding. The bridesmaids dressed modestly. She was dressed modestly. I'm telling you, it was, it was an awesome sight to see. In fact, she works right here in Oklahoma City trying to help others. Has a book called Transformed. I'm sorry, from transgender to transformed. Pretty awesome. In fact, she said this, my story is not about transgenderism. It's about the gospel. I didn't know, she says, I didn't know how to fix myself. I didn't know how to detransition. I came to the end of myself and God redeemed me. Folks, what I'm saying tonight is this. We can show transformational love to those that are struggling in homosexuality, same-sex attraction, or transgenderism, whatever label it is that we need to address or, or talk about. We can show transformational love, and it'll certainly take the help of God to do so. Would you agree with that? It takes the help of God to do that regardless. By helping them come to the Savior who will make them, who He will make them be who He made them to be. Listen to what um, Brother Riley Barrett said. He said, independent Baptists need to gain a perspective of gender and sexual deviance as a marring of God's plan and image that needs to be restored, not just a marring that needs to be condemned. If that does not happen, if we're, if we're only condemning, and, and listen, I know you understand what I'm saying right here. We, we, can't, we can't compromise and say, yeah, God's okay with that. When he's not, that would be dishonest. But if we don't understand that we, we don't just need to be in a place where that marring is condemned, but rather where the person needs to be restored. He says, if that does not happen, those struggling with gender and those struggling with sexual deviance inside and outside the church will continue to be isolated and eventually abandoned to the world. And I am concerned that we are much better at condemning than we are at restoring. May God help us to restore. How do we do that? Let me give you some points of application here. Number one, fully embrace and reflect who God made you to be. Fully embrace. Young men, you be young men. Be young men. Be, be young men. Men be men. Don't, don't look effeminate. Don't dress effeminate. Don't wear tight jeans, skinny jeans. There's a lot, of, a lot of other things coming to my mind right here. But be who God made you to be. There's been a feminization of masculinity in America that does not need to be a part of lives here in Southwest Baptist Church. 
Fully embrace who God made you to be. Dress in a way that, that reflects your gender. Ladies, please. Young ladies, please. Uh, ladies and gentlemen alike, dress in the gender that God called you to be. And be all out there. Embrace it completely. I mean, don't, don't do anything that any, any wise blurs the gender. Live in a way that reflects your gender. Joyful, here's a big one. Joyfully fulfill your God-given role in marriage. I think Satan's ultimate goal is to disrupt the family. And whether they can do that through a political agenda or whether they can do that just by messing up your marriage. Either way, it messes up American life. It messes up even Christians. So fully embrace who God made you to be. Number two, we need to remember this. We have the power in the gospel to see change. We have the power in the gospel to see change. We don't need to run from these situations. We don't need to avoid it. We don't need to go into defense mode. We've got the power in the gospel. I remember um, not too long ago, I was preaching on a Sunday morning and an individual was here. I was I was uh, mentally preparing for that. Even during Sunday school, I was sitting in the back and an individual came in that, I, that had, you know, all the, all the um, indications of maybe being in favor of what's going on in America. And I thought, oh, my soul, because I knew a big part of the application. I think I was even hitting that I'm not going to call it potato head, but rather Mr. Potato Head and Mrs. Potato Head. Because Mr. Potato Head ought not carry the purse and Mrs. Potato Head should. And Mr. Potato Head should have a mustache, and she should not. I remember getting ready to preach that, say that, and I thought, oh, my soul. You know, but in the course of preaching it, this individual that I had misjudged, she was smiling in favor of it and uh, was very supportive. Hey, listen, you know, all I'm simply saying is this, you can misread somebody. Let's keep in mind this. As we interact with lost people, we don't need to engage in debate. We need to share the gospel. In fact, um, I appreciated this testimony from a lady named Sarah Adler who was formerly... Uh, a lesbian, she said this, focus on their soul. She got saved, by the way. But she said this, focus on their soul, not just the sin of their choice. Remember that they're a person, not just a project. A person, not a project. Basically, she's saying this, just share the gospel of Christ. And that is the power of God unto salvation. That's not compromising, that's just recognizing what, what we're dealing with here. And I believe the great physician can send us those that need to be rescued. Number three would be this. Since we're in such a spiritual battle, we must engage in intense spirit-filled prayer. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 12 talks about Epaphras and how that he labored fervently for you in prayers. Um, can I, can I encourage you here tonight? The person that you know that is struggling with what we're talking about tonight, they need you to labor fervently 
in prayer. This is a spiritual battle and can only be won spiritually. We need to pray spiritually and fervently. Number four is this, help them find their identity in Christ. Help them identify their identity in Christ. The basic need that every person needs is to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, to understand who they are in Christ. And then if they understand who they are in Christ, then he will change them from the inside out. I think that's what happened in Laura's life. Number five. While you take a strong stand, while we take a strong stand, let's make sure that we're not coming across as hateful. I believe that's very important in our spirit. Um, look at uh, 2 Timothy 2, just very briefly here tonight. 2 Timothy and chapter number 2. And uh, these are some verses we were reading as a family, our family devotion just a, a few nights ago, actually, during Bible school and... and um, and even talking about this very issue, concern that we uh, were sharing as a family and, and just praying for others. And, and so we read, this is where our Bible reading was. So we read 2 Timothy chapter 2 and we came to verse number 22. I'm going to read it now. And where it, um, where it says here, flee also youthful lusts. And you might keep in mind that he's talking to a man who's about 40 something. And so uh, youthful lusts don't leave you just when you get out of your teenage years. He says, flee also youthful lust, but follow, pursue, be in hot pursuit. Make it, make it your passion, make it your drive. Follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace. And notice this, with them that call on God have a pure heart. My, what a verse right there. That'd be a good one to memorize. But then he talks about foolish and unlearned questions and, and uh, avoid knowing they gender strife. And notice verse 24, this is what I wanted you to see. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle. Be gentle unto all men and apt to teach, patient and meekness, instructing those, teaching those. I mean, there, there's got to be the, the teaching, the, the use of, of the word of God um, to help instruct them. That Notice this, oppose themselves. If God peradventure will give them repentance to acknowledging of the truth, that they may recover themselves of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. So Paul is basically telling Timothy here, listen, Timothy, you've got to take a strong stand. And he was dealing with some gender issues, even in Ephesus, as he was dealing with some of the things that were going the wrong way within the church related to, to gender and, and ladies that were doing too much and being too extravagant. And he had to deal with that. He had to deal with modesty. And so there's a lot of gender issues, church, that we're going to continue to deal with. And so Paul is telling Timothy, listen, Timothy, you got to deal with, with all of these issues. But listen, you got to have the right spirit as you go about it. A, a right position with the right disposition. That's what we try to emphasize and try to get across. And, and so we really need to minister to people where, where they are. I'll never forget, I, a year ago, I was preaching at Sagmont and... Um, Monday night, I mean, it just kind of got on and I was preaching fervently about, about young people and the pull. Watch this, the world is pulling young people into, into this twisted way of thinking. And with God's help, we need to help pull in the different direction, offering that resistance. And so I was trying to preach and get across a point and, 
And so uh, the next morning, I was eating lunch with some of the young men and, and uh, some of the guys even that were Heartland graduates. And I was sitting there at breakfast and a young man came up to me and he's a handsome young man. And, and uh, he came up and, and he had his arm in a sling. And I was going to ask him, just kind of start up a conversation with him. Hey, man, what, what happened to your arm, you know? And, and, uh, but I mean, just out of the gate, he said, are you saying that we're supposed to hate homosexuals? I, I mean, he didn't even say good morning. He just jumped right into it right there. I said, oh, no, 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 no. Why don't don't you sit down? Let's talk about that. And we spent some time talking. And, and, uh, you know, so that that was Tuesday morning. And probably the last person that I said bye to that Friday that, you know, you kind of make a connection with people as you're at a camp. He was the one that I uh, said bye to the last. And God had really worked in his heart. And he was, but, but I think what... He was misunderstanding, you know, what was going on. But I think what was happening, he's been indoctrinated in his public school setting. And anybody that speaks the truth is a bigot or is hateful just because we're saying it's wrong. I just saw him at the men's advance. And so we got to kind of Reconnect. Um, it was a good reminder to me, though. I need to make sure that my spirit's right. As I preach fervently, I don't think we hold back. We, we don't go soft. But we don't need to be hateful. I'm not sure what number we're on now, but here's the next one. Care for hurting parents and siblings. Care, don't criticize. Care, don't condemn. Don't say, well, you must have done something wrong in parenting. How about, how about this? I mean, imagine that you were in that situation and it was your son or it was your daughter. Uh, and it, by the way, it very well could be. Your son or your daughter, your grandson or daughter. So go about the business showing love God's way by being caring to those that are hurting. Be some hurting parents and siblings. The next one would be this. Be careful, ever careful, what you're allowing to affect your thinking in this very area. Erwin uh, Lutzer wrote the book, we, shall not, we Cannot Be Silent. And he said this, the cell phone in a teenager's hand is doing more to shape their worldview than Sunday school or the admonition of parents. We're failing to pass on the faith, he says, in a broad stroke. We're, we, Christianity, we are failing to pass the faith on to the next generation because they are captive to the culture. And we've got to be mindful of the fact that whether it's through the internet, on their computer, on their phone, through music. By the way, don't think music's amoral or that it does not have an agenda or that it does not promote these things. Be mindful of just how saturated our culture is 
and how that it's affecting the minds of not just young people, but adults as well. I believe if we'll keep these things in mind and we'll know that the Lord, He is God, it is He that has made us and not we ourselves, then we can apply transformational love to those that are struggling with the transgender issue. But it'll take the help of the Holy Spirit of God to help us, to mobilize us, not to avoid, but to go to, and to help those that God brings our way. And if there's anybody here that's struggling with same-sex attraction or thoughts of, of, of uh, gender dysphoria or, or whatever it may be that you're going through right now, hey, listen, there's hope for you in the person of Jesus Christ. And, and knowing him and, and believing what he has said. Listen, you need to resist those thoughts just like somebody that struggles with pornography or struggles with fornication or struggles with, with greed or envy or hate, whatever it may be. You've got to resist those thoughts just like they need to resist the thoughts that are their sin. Because he came to redeem all of mankind, including you. Let's stand together here tonight. Father, I thank you tonight. I thank you for your word. I thank you, dear God, that, that through the power of the gospel and the Holy Spirit using the word, that, Lord God, you can transform a person's life. And so, Lord, we're just asking you to do that. We're praying. Lord, I realize people make choices and, and they get deeper and deeper into it. And then pride works against them and selfishness works against them. And so, dear God, the, the Holy Spirit is, is an absolute necessity to, to use your word here to help uh, those that are in that struggle. And I just pray that you'd help us, dear God, as a church family, Lord, to love one another, to love those that are hurting, to, to love the people that you bring this way, dear Lord. I pray you'd give us wisdom. We, we're certainly gonna need wisdom to be as wise as serpents and harmless as doves, even as Jesus said in the society in which we live. I pray that you'd help us, dear God, and, and Lord, that you'd mobilize us as, as those that you could love, use to show your love, rather, in Jesus' name.